Are you singing Venom by Eminem? By Eminem. <laughs> You're not gonna know what hit him. He's gonna get some Venom. Venom, 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 Venom. This is the stupidest theme song ever. It's the laziest song I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it that he would like submitted that to Sony. Like, here you go, hot off of my fucking lyrical m- miracle mind. <laughs> I just thought, I said, okay, okay, Venom. <laughs> Venom, 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 venom. Dude, I think that's it. One take. I got it. I can just see him chasing his daughter around his mansion. Dad, that's not funny. Venom, 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 venom. You're not gonna know what hit him. I got some venom, venom. Oh, I don't think he's gonna win an Oscar for that. Not for that one. He lost himself. Yeah. And he never got himself back. Yeah. But he did get his venom. Venom. But we do get gems like venom. Well, speaking of, we are going to review that film, as well as The Sisters Brothers. Yeah. And uh, We Talk Bet Dead is back. We Talk Fred. The season nine premiere of Walking Dead happened this last Sunday. So let's uh, start with the one that we really like the most, which is The Sisters Brothers. What an experience. The experiences like that really make you appreciate living in this city and the things that you get to do uh, when they come up like that. It's I know. Really great, great times. We saw it at the Aero Theater in Santa Monica, and there was a Q&A with Mr. John C. Riley afterward. He uh, also was a co-producer on the film and starred in it. It co-stars Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, Riz Ahmed, and a guest appearance by Carol Kane, the iconic Carol Kane. Yeah. From Princess Bride and Taxi and Scrooged, Scrooged, and also get very brief guest appearance by Rugger Hauer. Yes, and very very brief guest appearance by that guy who I never remember his name, but he's in Rob Zombie Thirty One, and he and he, he plays the Night King, King in of Game, the of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, the White Walkers, and he was it's funny, famous character actor. Yeah, yeah, he's an awesome character actor. Fuck yeah, it's directed by Jacques. Andriard, and uh, he is a two-time BAFTA winner for The Beat That My Heart Skipped and A Prophet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is uh, based on the book by Patrick DeWitt, co-written by Andriard and Thomas Bid- Bidigan. Well, that's for the screenplay. Yes. They co-wrote the screenplay. Yes, they did. And uh, John C. Riley's wife, Alison Dickey, apparently had a lot to do with getting securing the rights for the book and mm-hmm. keeping the production alive, which mm-hmm. took them seven years. Seven years, man. It's interesting to hear the back story of a film, uh, even if you don't like it, which is not the case in this case. But when you really hear like the lengths, especially as an, someone like John C. Riley, who's an actor, and mm-hmm. you know, seven years ago he was still doing, you know big films and stepbrothers and right so he had all this all these you know pay, uh, play, he was whatever. an oscar nominee by then yeah for chicago, chicago. yeah yeah he had his plateful and so to have this project because i guess the writer patrick dewitt had written a screenplay of a movie he was in long ago mm-hmm. that his wife also produced it was a small independent film terry terry which yep. i haven't seen but i guess during that time they asked him if he had any other stuff he was working on and he had just finished 
what they had called a manuscript, but right. it was like a novel called The Sisters Unpublished, Brothers. Unpublished. Yeah. And they secured the rights for the film way back then because yeah. John C. Riley said he's like, the hardest part about getting this film made was having me actually read the freaking manuscript. Well, and also keeping Joaquin on board. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. before the movie got made, he's like, the fact that I actually read it was, you know, for him, right. remarkable. Because yeah. he said it was really a page turner. And, you know, unless he's like sold out a script, maybe he's not really into like just reading <laughs> unsolicited stuff to the very end. Who is? Well, so it's about the sisters' brothers, Joaquin and John C. Riley, and. Eli and Rebler. Wait, what's, what's his name? Eli and Charlie. Is that their name? I think so, yeah. Okay. And they are hitmen, basically. Or, you know, and it's set in, in the Pacific Northwest in the 1800s. And Rucker Hauer, who never speaks in the film, but mm-hmm. he's kind of the guy who hires them. The Commodore. And we see him sort of out of the window, and he mm-hmm. they're getting the money to go. And it, it opens with a, you know, them sort of bounty hunting. And a firefight. Yeah. At night is really cool shot. Really cool shot composition. It's just like this uh, frontier scape in the dead of night, pitch black, and you just see these flares these fucking uh muzzle flares popping pop pop yeah pop, and then you realize that there's some fucking serious gun showdown oh going yeah down, and that's how the film opens up with them just boom executed guys and they're like no worse for wear and you get a good beat on like how seasoned they are as you know this perfect in this profession you're instantly sort of transported to the mindset that this is going to be a high level film the cinematography by benoit Deby. Um, is really fantastic. Yeah, the French are the um, are thorough man. Like John C. Riley was talking about how they're very like they have a vision and they want everything sort of like a Wes Anderson film where like everything is not it's mapped out yeah, it's all they do very the storyboarding yeah that was an interesting conversation you know when he talked about the process and he said as American actors to come with these ideas as and, for a character yeah. yeah and like a lot of time American directors just let them do go and do the character that's right. what Stanley Kubrick would say to like Jack Nicholson and uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell, like you know, like what what should I do for Clockwork Orange? He's like, that's you're the yeah, I'm the director. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like this. Is, he said that with at least in this case, the French directors are like quite the opposite, right? Where it's like they have the way they want you to deliver that line and a way they want you to stand while you're delivering the line. And so he said it was a sort of interesting meeting in the middle. Yeah, like as an American actor, he's like, I still like I had been working on this character for meditating years, yeah. For, yeah. And so it's like you know, he said it wasn't not a point of contention. He said, but it no, was he like didn't a creative, say that way, right? Yeah, it was. But he said he respected it. He's like he he would be like literally counting out the beats of like yeah. okay, and then your character walks here and picks up this, and then dun 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 dun. Yeah, he then, said he was very yeah, rhythmic, rhythmic and planned, very mapped out. But and yep. at the same time left room for like improvisation because it's like oh there was just a great moment of light when you turned your head that way so now we have to recalculate what you did yeah. before and then, you know so it's very meticulous but it pays off in the final product it does. it's fucking beautiful stunning and he, captivating he also said that there was one thing that the French director had to get used to which was that the actors would have a reaction to thing that, things that he wasn't used to like an emotional reaction like mm-hmm. real time on the set and he had to account for that and mm-hmm. they had to like take more time and Right, because you can't really calculate for that. Yeah. You can't calculate the human heart, man. <laughs> uh, so what happens is that they are on a hunt for who turns out to be Riz Ahmed, yeah. who's a chemist who's discovered, who's come up with a formula that you pour into the rivers and it, it, this it illuminates is, you know, this gold. This is the gold rush. rush. Yeah. And in San Francisco, yeah, and so they it illuminates. And Jake Gyllenhaal is also kind of a hitman who works for the Commodore. Yeah. 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 And he sort of tricks 
Riz Ahmed and makes him think that he's like his buddy and it turns out he's turning him over to the sisters brothers Mm -hmm. but then Riz Ahmed sort of convinces him I got something here and they team up and so they're teaming up well yeah he appeals to Jake Gyllenhaal's sensitivities right you know they're going to torture me they're going to cut off my hands and my gouge out my eyes and until they get the formula for the Commodore yeah and so Jake Gyllenhaal is a uh, change of heart and they literally skip off together and then they have this whole thing of like creating this sort of utopian society yeah. with like a, a, a name and a logo right. and they're going into business together all of a sudden and they're partners and they become very close. And at the same time, you have uh, the sister's brothers on their tail right. and they're about four days behind and they're getting messages and uh, Joaquin already hates Jake Gyllenhaal's character. Yeah. He finds it pretentious. And, and he, is, yeah, and he, he is. is. He's sort of like this... Kind of educated guy. Educated. He, is, he does this weird accent that sounds like a Kennedy accent. Or like a guy who came from England and lost his accent yeah. or something. Yeah. It's and, very uh, old-timey. And he keeps a journal and he... You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's sort of the opposite of the sort of working class gunslingers of the Sisters but Brothers. they're very intelligent and they were... like. That's one of the things yeah, I kind dumb. of I wish someone had asked John C. Riley in the Q and A because they're 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 pretty like articulate and well read for like just and well spoken. Well, he well said, spoken. Yeah, he said that even when they wrote the screenplay, they sort of tuned down the formality of the language yeah. a little bit from the the original book. He said there's actually the way the brothers speak to each other is like more formal. Wow. And they tuned it down a little bit because John C. Riley even said for my character I was prepared to like have this certain way of language and yeah. speaking and then I even like tuned it down a little bit so it wasn't so formal. Right. Which is cool. I mean, it worked. I didn't notice. But at the same time, if you go and watch the Coen Brothers' True Grit, that's like such a formal language yeah. of American language. True. It's beautiful writing. Same yeah. as this. And there's a lot of fucking comparisons to this and True Grit. And Some just Coen Brothers. Some kind of pacing, Brothers. Sort pacing of, yeah. A lot of like... Uh, sort of dark humor yeah. or sort of humor where you didn't think there'd be some and also like brutal murder, you know? It's brutal. Yeah, there's and, some brutality I, in this film, but it's, you don't, it doesn't really shake you. You're not, like, it just no, sort of fits. No, but it's, it's a little surprising sometimes. You mm-hmm. feel like, oh, okay. Oh, that guy just got shot in his fucking head. Yeah. Like, boom. <laughs> and I got to give a shout out to like the sound mixing and the audio yeah. design because the way they mix down the gunshots in these old style like cult revolvers you get like this big low-end pop sound Mm. that you feel like the force because those guns were like wide bore 45 caliber pistols that you just open someone's head up and you hear like boom boom like in the theater i mean yeah and you're like yeah that shit will fucking eat your body yeah it's interesting because like a lot of times it just sort of sounds like pop pop no, no, you're right. That's a good. This is an Oscar worthy sound mixing yeah, for sure. Because the gun, like you feel the recoil and yeah. the heat, you hear it. And you're like, if you got hit with that, that's lights out. Like yeah. Donzo, and they're just ca- cavalier shooting. Right. Boom. But it's super percussive. Yeah. And like, it sounds like a real high caliber gun, like at a gun range. Which you know? it would be. It would be. Yeah. And they they're handling them one handed and are accurate in like you know what I mean. Oh, it's, they're very good gunslingers. Yeah. They're very good at what they do, which is uh, very also interesting. Calm, very casual. Yeah, yeah man. Very business. Yeah, it's a fucking really cool. It's story. a really cool story. And it, I mean, it's very much about sort of the you know paradox of utopia versus greed, like the, the sort of like the idealism versus greed. Because Riz Ahmed's character wants to go to Dallas to create this utopia where a democracy where everyone is created equal and everything, but yet he also wants gold. Like, and, and he and, has a formula for gold that everybody wants, and they want to kill him and take it for their own greed. And it's 
destroying the re- it would if it was actually used which it's made up of course it's a fake it thing. would destroy right. the environment in days well like. and you see it too because like without spoiling too much like you see a sort of an aftermath of them after they put the solution into it yeah. they make a sort of a uh, dam and sort of flood a part of the area and then after they do it then they cut and it's like all these dead beavers and right. fish in the water so it would have been horrible yeah for the environment it could have had lasting and lasting impact up until like now even if it was a real thing which right. is not yada 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 but uh, yeah, th- this is really about the relationships of the two of them, and that's what John C. Riley said. He's like, it's more of like it takes place in the West, but it's not necessarily a traditional period piece because yeah. it's not really about like, hey, varmint, you know, like yeah, gunslinging. No. Yeah, and, and it's directed by a French guy, and they shot yep. a lot of it in Spain and Romania, right? Because they said yeah. they went to the Pacific Northwest and Doesn't they went to like Alberta. <laughs> no, no, no. They said it does look like that. Oh. It's just that it's been used so much. Oh, and oh, right. For Deadwood and for all these other movies, yeah. you know, in the fucking new seven ding dongs with Chris Pratt or whatever, right? And, you know, so they're like we've you know used all these things, and then they said, yeah, why didn't you film in San Francisco? And it's like, well, then that's when he said it doesn't look like yeah, that anymore, yeah. and that's he's true. right, you know. And so yeah. they found all these like great frontier locations yeah, in fucking Romania. Really beautiful. And they said, why'd you shoot that? It's like, well, because the European director knew all those areas right. more. And it makes sense. But it would be, he's like, we had a, a, a what, like a Romanian hair and makeup team. We had a Spanish, uh, uh, you know, film crew. We had a, a French director, costume. Italian yeah. costumes. He's like, when you think about this, like we brought a lot of cultures all together to do this one project wow. and it came together. And he said during the right now's political climate, there's something to be said about that because uh, everyone's pretty separate right now you know so it was sort of cool you know and he had just talked about and he sort of brought up the brett kavanaugh thing and you know he's like i feel good that you know like a woman my wife was able to help you know yeah in this time in this political climate and the social climate you know yeah and by the way the brett kavanaugh thing happened that day yeah we were there so it was hard not to bring it up up. he he didn't go on about it (laughs) right no he referenced it yeah which is fine you know and uh the movie uh, itself uh i was very very impressed with and i wasn't really sure what to expect i I showed up for the two of them yes you know what i mean that's what got me to be like fuck yeah i'm in and i I wasn't sure if i was gonna be like yeah that was cool or like fuck yeah this is really really worth seeing and for me it's definitely anyone can should go and see this even if you don't like westerns i mean it's definitely a western and that's great but it's a great film it's a great story it's the acting performances are fantastic it's sort of like a three or four yeah they are fantastic and it's sort of like a a three or four act saga like an epic because it's long and it feels long but by the end of it you're like oh man it's all wrapped up and like feel like it felt long i felt like by that third act where they're like it's like another because there's a few different instances or instances like but I thought there were the the story would have ended with the gold rush and yeah, then like there's and a then there's few like moments a, where you think it could end and it yeah, doesn't and it doesn't it pivots it pivots, really it yeah pivots. that's that's like the best it's a lot way of to pivoting put it. yeah yeah but it's good it feels like a sort of odyssey right sorry about the sirens in the yeah back. we got uh, activity going it's hot on. out here man yeah it's just Los Angeles man <laughs> the Falcon X was flying <laughs> over our heads yesterday man looked like a freaking SpaceX. Space Odyssey X, man. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really great. And the way they tie it all up at the end and, you know, like he said, he's like, we did so many different sort of bait and switches in this film. They really do. They do. And you never know if they're going to make it. And that's yeah. the cool part. Like, there's multiple times I thought both of them, either of them yeah, were going to make know, it. You just don't know. And that's very what's great. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And Joaquin and him as brothers, they said, he said, um, 
the rehearsal process was so weird because like they were, were both very shy and like sort of artistic types. And yeah. He said they couldn't even make eye contact with each other for the first week of wow. rehearsals because yeah. they were both so, I guess, shy or just hesitant or reticent. Yeah. And he did say that like Joaquin was ready to walk off the set a few times. He's like, my big job as producer was just to keep Joaquin why, happy. Why though? He didn't say why. Probably because it's a dirty, long process yeah. of shooting in the forest and shit. Think about all the people that left the Revenant. You think, oh, they just don't have what it takes, and then you realize they they shot the whole fucking movie with natural light. Yeah. In the, in the snow yeah. in the forest of Alberta. I know that they that guy won his cinematography award fair Fuck and yeah. square. <laughs> and, and I don't blame some people. You know. Yeah. Like, he, they probably aren't getting paid crazy and. And then you want them to sleep in a tent yeah, in the it's, snow. Yeah, it's in tense conditions. And yeah. make a movie. And then, oh, oh, we lost the light. We'll have to do this shot tomorrow. Right. Everybody go try to stay warm. Yeah. You know, uh, fuck. And you're not Leo with the fucking million dollar trailer right. or whatever. You're fucking ding dong grip guy, you right. know. No, it's true. You know, and so this movie, I'm sure, had some of that. But man, what a great film. Yeah, it is a great film. I highly recommend you see it in the theaters because it's really worth seeing on the big screen in an audience, getting the reactions, but also just seeing the cinematography on a big screen. It's beautiful, beautiful. scenery. And it's different than a, a, a fucking, uh, you know, seeing a superhero movie at the theater. Yeah. Or right now a horror movie, but definitely go see your horror movies. It's where we are in October. Well, so superhero movies and horror movies, we sort of have a combination of that. I guess you could call it a combo. Um, it would have been if they hadn't pushed out at the end. made a PG-13. Yeah. We're talking about Venom. Venom. <laughs> <laughs> venom, venom, venom. Which opened this weekend to eighty million dollar box office, which is a record for October box office in the U.S. It's yeah. a big record. The last one was set by Gravity mm-hmm. in twenty thirteen at fifty five point seven million. Five years ago. So wow. uh, that's Tom Hardy, Riz Ahmed, also in this one, and Michelle Williams. It's directed by Ruben Fleischer, who did Zombieland and Thirty Minutes or Less. The writers are Jeff Pinkner, who did, who worked on Alias, Dark Tower, which we hated, um, and Scott Rosenberg, who uh, wrote Fever Pitch and Beautiful Girls and Con Air and 60 Minutes or Less, and he's been around forever, and he's also a BU alum. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so it's based on the Marvel character. Yep, Venom, Eddie Brock. I think that those numbers show how long people really wanted a Venom yeah. project, man, because it got... Like, the trailers look cool, but I was super on the fence about it, and most of the internet was, like, not sold on this movie. Like, if you watch just YouTube clips of, like, uh, uh, reaction videos to the trailer mm. and comment threads, and, and I, I felt sort of the same way going into it. Like, oh, fuck. Until Comic-Con. And then we were kind of more excited because we saw Tom Car- Hardy talk about it. it w- yeah, and Riz Ahmed came out yeah. and they showed a new trailer and it did look cooler. Yeah. And there was a bit more of the actual Venom suit because that was a big thing. People were like, is he going to be in this movie at all? Like yeah. in the suit? Or is it just going to be him in a leather jacket t- throwing out tendrils yeah, yeah, from yeah. his arms? Because you want the suit, man. Right. You want that character. Like, it's not enough to just have him being like, yo, I'm on my motorcycle. Man. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> With his weird accent like that accent, he does. New York yeah. uh, like accent, but I can't get it right. So yeah, kinda, it's like, sort of weird. But it's just sort of me, Eddie Brock over yeah, here. Like, Eddie Brock. Uh, we'll maybe someday we'll give a little kiss over there. Yeah. Give me a little smooch, <laughs> you know, a little smoochy. Yeah. It sounded like he watched like Mean Streets over and over again to do something. that accent or something like those old 70s Scorsese films mm-hmm. before Goodfellas. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it it wasn't horrible. No. And we got some cool Venom action, but it just seemed like a movie that meant nothing. Like, there was no... Yeah. Because that's what John C. Riley said about just movies in general making them. It's like, okay, but, like, what what 
is this? Yeah. Like, what is the message? And not even like a moral, but like what statement is this movie making? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was devoid of anything of substance outside of just we finally got to see Venom right. acted out in live action, which is a bummer because I think it suffered from the same thing that Suicide Squad and the Fantastic Four Josh Trank thing where people like uh, the executives pushed back on the like full vision of the movie, neutered it down, yeah. and then you get this sort of like pieced together fuckery of a movie where you could have had maybe a really, really cool project. It was better than Suicide Squad. I don't think it was as good as the Fantastic Four one, which no. a lot of people disagree because people hated people that, hate movie that movie for no good reason. And I don't think most people even saw that movie. Yeah. And actually, it was on last night. Yeah, I watched it. And it was, f- it's still fucking really cool it's in its cool. own right. Yeah. But this, I mean, it had cool action. I mean, I think Tom Hardy being in together, it really yeah. is yeah. the key to this. Definitely. You know, if it weren't for him, I would have probably lost interest because it does mm-hmm. feel like. All the actors, Jenny Slate's in it, Riz Ahmed, Michelle Williams, Tom Hardy. It feels like all four of them are in different movies a little bit. Like there's, it, it feels a little all over the place. It does. And it sort of feels like it was the, it's the victim of, you know, re-edited. re-edited. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like it's, it's like it was patched together. Pieced up together to make it PG-13. And you can tell there's moments where there would have been R action yeah. that they cut out or fucking whittled down to keep it PG-13, right. which is like such bitch. Why would you film it R and then... To whittle it down to make it safe, you know. It's they weren't confident that they could pull a Deadpool off, yeah, because it's sucks. not the same kind of character. But I mean, Deadpool. To be honest, until the movie came out, most kids don't know Deadpool. Deadpool is sort of like a B character that had a cult following from the '90s because he was the only character who really like broke the fourth wall and brought in comedy, but right. also had like brutal action in the comics. So Deadpool, I you know, even with me growing up, like he was a funny character, and everybody like that was in the comics knew him. But he's not Spider Man, you know what I mean? He's or not Venom. Wolverine, yeah. Or yeah, Venom's or, pretty popular. I'd say Venom was probably more popular. But maybe that's part of why they wanted to do it. They wanted kids to be able to go to it, I guess. Yeah, I think they could have brought kids to it anyway. Like yeah. Deadpool. You know what I mean? The kid, Deadpool didn't R, do those yeah. numbers without t- parents bringing their kids. Look at that's it. True. It was R. Remember all those fucking kids that were yeah, there? Yeah, I like, know. Like, you can bring your fucking stupid kids. I know. I agree. I don't know why we have to be so... I mean, like, the shit that's on TV is well, way harsher. Well, because Venom's whole thing is, like, he eats people. And it, yeah. he has to eat people to, like, survive in the host body kind of thing. So, it's like, I'm sure there was a lot more sort of... Seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And yeah. like that, that I'm sure we, we we definitely got gypped out of a lot of that. And Tom Hardy even said himself, he said there's like 30, 40 minutes of of stuff that was his favorite parts in the film that are completely cut out. Boo. And then Riz Ahmed tried to like pivot and be like, well, maybe they were cut out, friend, because it wasn't that good. But I is like, that what he said? Yeah, huh. that's what he said. But I think that was just him trying to promote the film without mm. so me Tom making making Tom Hardy sound like toe the party line, sand, sand Riz Ahmed. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Huh. Well. Tom Hardy can but say what he wants. He's the star. Say, yeah, he's a fucking he has a lot man of power too. too. Yeah, who get, who gives a fuck? I'm not sure if he's going to do a second one. They definitely set it up like there would be a they second did. one. Yeah, oh, for fu- especially the uh, post credit sequence with Woody Harrelson. No spoilers. Yeah, but um, stay for the credits. Yeah, stay after for the credits. I mean, not two. all the credits. There's actually two post credits. Yeah, but the second one is just like a fucking bullshit clip. Yeah, into the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. uh, which looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool, but they just show us like a whole long secrets ex- from the film. I know it was a scene. little bit of a yeah, chip. It was yeah. a scene. It wasn't like yeah, you know, it wasn't um, 
do anything really but you know yeah that movie looks cool uh this movie it, i don't know it, it i was, mean i was still sort of into it I was I, into like it. i was into it and then i was also sort of i don't know I, when i watching suicide squad i wanted to throw something at the screen right i was so angry i was like this is, this is what that. you did for me yeah this with is us right this is way better than way suicide better than that and um yeah, way better which is weird because I guess on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it like 33. And that's what kind of what uh, uh, Suicide Squad got, like 27 or something like that. This is not fair. I think this should have gotten in the 60s. Well, the audiences gave it like 89 or 90, which I think is too high. That's too high. Meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, meet in the middle somewhere because I was not I bored by this movie. No. Uh, but I was sort of, I feel like, bored with that first half because... He's sort of just the bumbling Eddie Brock for like 40 minutes. Way too much time spent on that build of yeah. that setup. Well, you could tell. I'm telling you, they didn't have like a budget to give us that suit for 90 minutes. Yeah. They had the budget for like 20 minutes. Right. <laughs> and, th- and then they had to piece that together. Yeah. Because anytime we got him in the suit, he'd like go into the water and jump out and he's Tom Hardy. Again. Right. Like you get very piecemeal yeah. of him as Venom. And that stinks because if they would have just went all in. And just went all in with the script, with the yeah. content, and with the the, uh, the effects and shit. I think it could have been like a real hitter. Like, well, it made a lot of money, so yes. maybe they'll do for the second. They'll do more. I I predict the big the big money maker this fall is going to be Halloween, which yeah. is next weekend. Oh yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis was on uh, the View this morning. Oh really? It. Yeah, man. So what'd she say? I don't know. Well, she sort of tied it into the Me Too movement, kind of. Did she? Yeah. Which you kind of like. I get it. Yeah. You know, like she's basically in such a way where she said that, like, like Laurie Strode is a woman who suffered severe trauma. Right. Okay. And so she could be looked at as uh, she's a, fighting back, a role model. Yeah. yeah, fighting back and taking back her own power. And you know, they do thirty years later, and she's been preparing for this moment, and she's not a victim in this movie, right? And and they also brought up what we saw happen at Hall H, and they showed a clip of when the dude started oh, crying. The guy started crying. How powerful that was. Yeah, yeah, and she made real point to say that, like this man. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the first she said the first question from the audience was basically this dude saying that like the way he had a home invasion, home invasion, yeah. and she he way that she reacted was how what he first thought of when it happened, and it's he he credits her with having right. saved him, been able to think on his feet, and she literally walked off the stage and gave this guy a big hug. Yeah, it was a big moment. It was I, a big we moment, there, probably because yeah. he was like a stinky Comic Con guy too. <laughs> and that was a deep. She embrace. was very sweet. I know it was very kind of her. Yeah, it was. They stopped everything. She yeah, went out and gave the guy a big hug. I mean, he broke down crying in I front know. of six thousand people. So it must have been kind of genuine. Yeah. Oh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it absolutely was. He was probably a kid a when he was the home invasion. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, he looked like he was, you know, in his forties or early forties or late thirties or and fuck he, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, Venom. If you're a fan of that stuff and the franchise of Spider Verse, it's worth seeing. It's worth theater, seeing for but sure. if you're a casual fan of superhero movies, nah, you don't have to. Nah, um, there might not be anything for you there, and it's just really pieced together. Yeah, yeah. But, but I love uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah, and I'll pretty thing. much see anything he does. And it's good. It's good enough to like go see as a throwaway too. I Absolutely. would say, like, if you just bored on a Friday night, go see it. Yeah. And you're not going to, you know, be pissed like Suicide Squad, right? For yes. sure. Yeah, that was awful. All right, so we talked. Dead is back for season nine of The Walking Dead, the last season of Andrew Lincoln. Last season. 
Yeah, so it opened strong. I have to say, I was not excited because last season sucked. And it really was just like, I thought the show was over and there's nothing new they could do. And mm-hmm. they are they go to Washington, D.C. and they break into like a Smithsonian Museum. Well, you should say they have a whole new intro, too. They a do. A whole new credit they intro, do. yes. Yeah, which new looked cool. animation, new style, same music. Yep. But, you know, I guess they're looking at it like, okay, let's freshen this up a little. And they did. And but it's very cool. It's very smart. They're getting covered wagons because they're like they show what what I really liked about this episode is that they show the effects of the time passage. Like the yeah. the walkers are all skeletal now. Most yeah, of them. And, and you know in that sort of last stage of decomposition. Yeah, which makes sense. And they're also now like as far along in their new society as they've ever been, which is accurate in what happens in the comic uh-huh. where Rick sort of shaves his hair, grows a beard, and all of a sudden Alexandria and the hilltop are all really working together and they have their crops and they have their blacksmith and their right. butcher and they're making ethanol to fuel their motorcycles and cars. Right. So they're like as advanced as they'd ever been at this point. Right. And this whole thing about going to an old museum and taking out the relics because now they serve a purpose again is super cool and is from the comic. And Uh it is smart. Like, that's what you would have to do. Yeah, they need those covered wagons for the horses. And and the plows. I I do sort of wonder where the horses came from. I don't know. That's a good point. There's (laughs) there's always horses. I know. Like, Like, where are they? Weren't they? They would be all dead. Dead or eaten, bitten. They would die of infection. They don't have a food supply themselves. I mean, I guess grass, but... Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, it's again, a little bit of a stretch, disbelief. but yeah, suspend all right. Disbelief, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think that's just like an interesting. It reminds me of the movie Demolition Man, where the only place oh, yeah. you get guns are at the museum. Yeah, everyone just uses like tasers. Right, right, right. It's the Wesley that was Snipes. Funny, yeah. yeah, I like that part because yeah, it's like all I actually these, like that movie. It's a great movie. I mean, it's not. And a good guess movie, who's in that movie? Sandra Bullock, Herschel, Benjamin Bratt, Scott Wilson, who died this weekend. Yeah, like right the day before. Yeah, he the died on before. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, the day before the premiere. Yeah, that was sad. very sad. Yeah, he was such a good actor, man. And he seemed like such a sweet man. Yeah, he had like an amazing nice career, too. He was in the original Great Gatsby. Yep. Um, he with, plays the guy that kills Gatsby. He plays George Gatsby. Wilson, yeah. yeah. And he was in In Cold Blood. He plays one of the killers in in the original, the original In Cold Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was in, uh, he has an incredible body work. He was in The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. He was in all kinds of stuff. I mean, dating he, back like 50 years. Oh, man. yeah. It's he, pretty yeah. phenomenal. This is one of his last big projects, I think. And he's most, obviously, most famous for. Mm-hmm, I'd say so. Um, and he was doing Comic Con stuff, but he was, he was in Hostels. Hostels? The movie with Christian oh, Bale. Yes. End. Yes, he was in yeah. the final scene of Hostels. Yeah. And yeah. he he still was working. Yep. So and he was only seventy six. I mean, I think you know it was just kind of sad. Yeah, that's how my dad is. So yeah, it's kind of sad. Dad's in great health. I know he's in pretty fucking phenomenal shape. Yeah. It's really weird. But I mean, and I we saw him at Emerald City Comic Con. He didn't look as in great shape as your dad. I'm no. shocked that they're the same age because he looks a lot older. Yeah, my dad is super upwardly mobile. Yeah. Like he does, he can do like an hour of yoga on yeah, his head. It's, it's really crazy. weird. Yeah. But uh, this was, you know, shout out to the family of yeah, Scott Wilson. Yeah, R.I.P., man. That's a sad one. Yeah. He was a talented guy. And uh, so what else happens in this episode? Uh, well, plot twist, Carol and Ezekiel are a couple. And Ezekiel almost dies in the beginning. Yep. Because there's like a, one of those like fancy glass floors that museums do. Yeah. And it's right where, you know, right next to the staircase where they're trying to unload this giant old wooden metal pl- uh, right. uh, covered wagon and plow. 
and of course it starts creaking and breaking and they get it almost and Ezekiel falls through and there's a sea of walkers underneath which yeah. is cool which is super cool and uh luckily you know they save them just barely and right. they get the stuff and but then on the way back one of the like young bo- savior boys is eaten or bitten or dies. One of them dies. One of them dies, yeah. On the way back. Because all the ex-saviors are now kind of buddies with everybody. Well, that's what happens, is that Dwight takes over the saviors in the comic. But it's Daryl in this. Is it? Yeah, he's the one who's running that compound. Where is Dwight? Dwight's still alive, right? No, he let him go. Well, yeah, I mean, he kind of let him drive off on his own, remember? Oh, because the they were going to of... kill him, right? Yeah, and Daryl just let him go to go try to find his wife. So he might resurface. He probably will. Um, because the, he's still he's like the head of the saviors in the comics at this point. But there's like Daryl doesn't want to run that compound anymore, and they're having problems there. They don't have enough food. And there's a little dissent among the ranks too. So some people like yeah, someone posted on the wall, "We are still Negan." Yeah, and so there might be an uprising there. And Maggie has no love for them whatsoever. Yeah. She meanwhile back at the hilltop, you know Gregory's still scheming. But we should say the dude that died on the way back from the mission. Is his parents are like Brett Butler? The, yeah, Brett Butler the, the plays comic, his mother, and they're like against Maggie now. But they voted for her because they had an election. Yeah, and they voted out Gregory and they voted in Maggie. Right, but then they blame Maggie fully for their son not coming home, and so now they have you know some you know little weasel in the hen house sort of little thing. Going and Gregory's on. pushing that to yeah. his advantage. Yeah, like hey, you know. We can fix this. Yeah. If you don't like Maggie. And that happens in the comic too, but it happens because Carl's still alive. And uh, what's the girl's name? Sophia. Sophia's still alive in the comic. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, she almost gets like raped by these two kids. And oh, Carl really? like beats the one kid almost half to death Ooh. with a shovel. And then those parents turn against Maggie because Maggie chooses not uh, to punish Carl. So it's the same thing, but sort of twisted around because okay. Carl's fucking dead. You know, so that does happen where like they Gregory tries to set up a fucking coup and is unsuccessful. Wait, before we get into this, go back to Ezekiel proposes to Carol. Oh yeah, she says no. <laughs> Or does she say well, she no? Doesn't she doesn't take no. the ring. She just doesn't take the ring. She said, but they're together. They're a couple. Yeah, they were making French. And she decides that she's going to take over Daryl's spot at the Savior's compound because she see, she can tell that he needs to take a break. Get out of there. Yeah. And, but this, the episode is very much set up to see, like, I, I'm actually interested in this season all of a sudden because mm-hmm. they're definitely setting it up to show directions of descent to show, mm-hmm. you know, like I can see where they're going with this. Like Maggie ultimately, you know, Gregory gets the father whose son died to try to kill Maggie mm-hmm. and Sets then her up. Gregory tries to kill Maggie mm-hmm. and then she has him executed by hanging and he goes out the weasel that he is. But, um, you're, I, you're kind of surprised to think she does it. Although at the same time, you're like, why did you let this guy live in the first place? Uh, so many times. Like, yeah. There's so many times that they should have just killed him for their benefit. Right. And that happens in the comic where there's a few times you're like, wait, he's still alive. Yeah. And then like, they finally kill him and it's like, yeah, when's enough enough. This guy's like bad news. And they hang him on a horse. Yeah. Old school. Old school. Like, old wild in west In front shit. of like the, all of the townsfolk. Yeah. And Brett Butler and the husband. I'm surprised they let them live because the husband was the one who tried to kill her. But she. But he was also an, a sober alcoholic who Gregory got liquored up to try to do his bidding. Yeah. But like, I mean, I mean, I think she's given them a pass because of their grief and, yeah, you know. Yeah, but he's like, you literally tried to kill yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you literally. But then Rick tries to get maggie's help in 
bringing some more food to the Savior's compound and stuff. And she sort of has this condition. She wants, they have to build a bridge so that they can get through faster to where the food supply is because yeah. nothing's growing there. Right. And so she says, okay, but they have to use all the, they have to be the ones, the workers, and they have to give us the fuel that they make with the corn, the corn fuel. Yeah, yeah. And they're not going to go for that. So you can see where we're going with this. There's going to be uprising at the Savior's compound. For sure, for sure. Um, And then there's a whole other subset of of a new enemy that's going to be introduced for sure. Which they didn't showcase in this episode, but I'm sure we'll see soon. The upcoming, hopefully. Hopefully they won't wait till like the halfway point because they already sort of introduced it. They already announced who they cast as uh, the character Alpha. I can't remember. It's a female. Oh, character. it's oh, I know who it is. It's, who is it? It's the um, uh, um, British actress. She's right? Samantha Morton. I don't know. That. She, she's uh, yeah. Did you in America? She plays. She played um. In the the Cape Blanchett, Elizabeth, she's Mary Queen of Scots. Oh, oh, now um, I remember. Yeah. No, I don't. All right. Well, she's a well known. Oh, uh, Minority Report. She's one of the girls in the. She's the one in the tank that he breaks out. Oh yeah. She's the yeah the psychics. Yeah. Or the little whatever they're called. She's yeah. a famous British actress. She's been lots of stuff. She's Oscar nominated. She um, had a shaved head in that movie too. Yeah. In this in this alpha is like sort of genderless like that's sort of like she is a woman but it's like the group is genderless and sexless and And they're really vile right well they dress they wear zombie skin and sort of live as zombies and that's how they survive so like rape is okay because it's not rape it's just sex or murder is okay because it's not murder it's just so they're savages yeah they live as savages but they have a code where since she's the alpha she's the boss and but then like carl befriends one of them and like helps her escape and she's like yeah they used to just all have sex with me and i thought that was okay and you know so they're they're gonna have to edit out a couple different stories Lines right. and shit and like redo some stuff but it is an interesting and very serious threat to the group um okay. and we'll see that soon because there are like some pretty big characters that are just done away with oh really right in like, the comics in yeah. the comics like in a very scary unceremonious way oh no yeah it's Don't intense tell me. it's intense so i wonder if they're gonna do that because most of those characters are still alive yeah right now so the fact that Oof. they are still alive might show that they that's what they're going to do to them. Oh. Yeah, it's sad. What it's, kind of... De- don't they put their heads on stakes or something? Yeah, and there's, there's like a fence around the hilltop. Yeah. And they sort of create a diversion in because there's like some sort of like jamboree party that they're having, like a harvest, like fall harvest. Right. And they're sort of like, oh, there's a fire or something like that. And then like, where is everyone? And then the last sort of panel is like all these heads. No. Yeah, of See, our, some of our characters. I don't think I can take that anymore. I've had enough. Like, that's the thing. Like, we're in such a period of injustice right now. I don't want to go down this walking dead road of like, once again, we're gutted over like well, brutality of as our to whose heads characters. are going to be on those spikes yeah. because with Maggie and Rick leaving Rick. right they're leaving <laughs> so maybe they'll do it to them but that I that would be a horrible way to end him I know they, I, I could see them doing it more to Maggie than Rick just because like you said but but The Walking Dead has a history of doing things yeah in a real sort of like oh fuck you oh, that like would the, be not a good I mean they didn't Andrew Lincoln talked about how he liked the way he they have him exit the show and I can't imagine that, that they'd be, be okay it. with nah, that yeah nah. I wonder if they're even going to kill him off or have him just well, like 
go on an adventure or get no maybe gets banished to kill him off. yeah i know uh, i don't know but yeah yeah so uh i'm yeah, i'm curious to see what they're gonna do with the alpha group because it's interesting how they introduce it because one of them gets stabbed by a walker and uh-huh. they all think that the walkers have become more sentient or something oh they don't realize not okay first, not at first you know well there's a clip of season nine where they see some of them hiding on the ground and you can hear the walkers talking oh i didn't see and that and they think that their walkers are talking yeah. and freaking out yeah but that's what that is i feel like if you wore walker skin you would just get really sick and die yeah right yeah that's well, but there's so many. We've talked about this shit so many times. Where like the smell, the over. I mean, right. like the overwhelming smell everywhere would have all the like, time would be everywhere. So like to the point where they would have to be wearing masks all the time. You know? Yeah, yeah. Of course. The more you pick it apart, the yeah. More, yeah. So it's like okay. So yeah. You know, where do eh. you stop? Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's whatever. I am. I, yeah. I gotta say. This episode, there was moments that were boring, but yeah, overall, as always. as always, as always, you know, it was an hour and a half episode. Yeah. But I can't say that I'm upset to have to watch the next episode. No, I thought I would be. I would I too. thought we were going to be doing it sort in, of part under the dress. Yeah, which is like usually <laughs> the case. But it's, been the la- it's been the case for the last season. Three or two, at least couple. maybe two seasons. Since yeah, Glenn man. died. It, yeah, since Glenn died, it's been a fucking chore. Yeah. You know, but I can say that this doesn't feel as chory even no. though i did tune out a few times but overall because they, they I, end it with they like, got my attention yeah they end it with negan with rick sort of in negan's in the cell like yeah. which is accurate to the comic and he has the big beard and that sort of thing yeah so, and you do yeah you get to see again but carl's dead there's a huge storyline with him and carl yeah. in the um cell at the what are they gonna do with negan I don't know. I mean, in the, in the in the comic, he survives and lives and eventually breaks free or escapes or is let out. I'm not sure. Mm. I haven't gotten that far. Right. I want to wait till the third compendium. Well, and Rick and Michonne are together and Judith is like a little girl now. Yeah. She's not a little baby anymore. And, She's talking. Uh, and and what's her name's kid is like a toddler now. Like and, they na- and they named him Herschel. Herschel. Yeah. 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 Anything else? I don't know. Those are the main points. Well, we see Eugene's making ammunition, right? What's Uh, he doing? He's making ethanol. Oh, right, right, right. And Uh, he's running the Savior's group mm -hmm. as well well, with Daryl. Daryl's really the one. Daryl does not want to do it. You can tell Daryl is going to be at odds with Rick Mm -hmm. because he's he's starting to get annoyed. He sort of he agrees with Maggie that they should have killed Negan. Yeah, they should have. I mean, that's how I felt in the comic. It was ridiculous. It's like, just kill this guy. It was really just sort of soaking it, you know? Well, especially because in the book, in the comic book, Negan, like, breaks Rick's knee brutally. <laughs> and so that's why in the in the uh, the dream sequences, you see Rick with the cane. Yeah. So and that's I think they might have scrapped happen. that. Or I don't know. Or maybe they scrapped it, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's that final fight. Right. Where Rick Negan breaks Rick's leg and then Rick, Rick subdues Negan or uh, like there's never he never cuts Negan's throat. Yeah. And then have him patch it up. It's like Rick literally like almost loses his leg in mm. the comic and then they get Negan and they're going to kill him and then they don't because that would make them as yeah. bad as them. It's like, are you serious? I know that was bothersome. Uh, it's it bothered like, me in the comic. Really? You're going to do this? Like after everything, everything. you're not going to kill this guy. You're going to kill Gregory on a horse, yeah. but you're not going to kill Negan. Negan? On a horse? That's just, I mean, that's to them, that's that Jeffrey D. Morgan brings in ratings. But I don't know, mm-hmm. does he? I mean, like, I'll be curious to see what the ratings were for this episode in comparison to... Um, like last season's other, opener? A few more. Uh, even last season, I don't think, was that great. No, last season was one of the biggest drop-offs. Yeah. 
Here I'm just looking. Walking Dead season nine ratings because I mean it's been slowly declining the last few years. Um, hey, they don't have it posted yet. Um, but a lot, you know, I don't think they're going to ever recover to the point that they were. No, probably not. Yeah. No, I don't think so. But I can't say that at least it's a maybe you've taken some of this shit to heart. Like you're not just getting the ratings back and the ratings aren't just sort of slipping they're dropping off no yeah it's not it's it's, going back to its original small fan base yeah and and maybe they got a little kick in the ass like this isn't like some thing that's gonna adjust itself yeah and fix itself like people aren't into this anymore they really should just end the whole season series this year i think they might as well they're losing the lead actor yeah another actor maybe (laughs) they will maybe they say they won't they're they're saying that it's going to continue with daryl and probably in their mind, Negan. Although, and Carol. Yeah, and but Michonne. I think it would make a lot more sense if they just went out. Yeah, it's okay. But you did it. You guys you did, did it. as much as you can. It's you like know? almost 10 years. It's Nowadays, that's a huge amount for television. Absolutely. Maybe it's they like, want to be gun smoke and go to 20 years. No, that's stupid. I know. But it, especially on an actual television show, a tel- channel like AMC. Right. Like maybe you could get away with it on Netflix or something. Right. But just yeah, just you, you guys did great. Yeah, you did a great Yay, thing. You, you guys, yeah. So <laughs> you still have Sonoy, Georgia, and you still have yeah. Walker Stalker Con. That's how I feel about the Simpsons. Like you guys did a great thing. Yeah, here. end it. Just you can end it. Some you know things have to end. Right, they I know, do. and we want things to end. Audiences want things to end, and yeah. they say they. Some may say they don't, but they do. You do because the alternative is what. It gets bad. It loses exactly. its spark. Well, it's like chasing a high, and like you just keep chasing it, and you never get that You'll, same yeah, high again. Never. It's just repeating. I mean, Thrones is ending when it should. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's ending even maybe earlier than they wanted it to, but it's like this is the most logical time Absolutely. to end this shit. Yeah. You know, maybe because the book never came out, and it's like, well, how long can we do this? Like of $20 million an episode? I know. To produce? Yeah. Or whatever the fuck? It's like, yeah, we, we gave you eight seasons. Right. You know, was it the best episode? Every episode was a hitter? No, but that's a, that's television. Right. You know, that's movies. It's everything. You they guys did a Emmy. good thing. Yeah, they won the Emmy. Who cares? Yep. You did it. I do think that it's a shame, and I hope that it, Andrew Lincoln gets nominated for an Emmy next year for his final season because... I hope he at least gets nominated. I, at least you know? nominate the guy. And yeah, like, he's a pretty I, famous guy, too. He's yeah. He's not like some ding, like no. unknown guy. You know? And he's been brilliant. And also, frankly, they could have given Melissa McBride, Carol, an Emmy nomination. Yeah, that you know? show is like pretty overlooked. Even now, uh, you know, even in its heyday, well, especially in, in its heyday. Well, it's in heyday is when they really should. I mean, like Morgan as a guest actor. Yeah. He could have been nominated. Sure. You know, like there's so many. John um, Carroll. Yeah, he yeah, could have been nominated. Episode, man, they've seen some real fucking great TV. Of yeah. Episode. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, you look back on the body of work, and sure, it's it's sort of declined uh, recently. But if you go back, you're like, eh, that was a good show. Man. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a huge undertaking. Huge, huge undertaking. I know. I still, you know, I'm yeah, still a fan. There, That's yeah, why we're here. That's why we're doing this. Yeah. All right. So on that note, we will be back next week for another episode of We Talk Dead and more movie reviews. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about the movie... Halloween too. Halloween next, right? Or is I that think, I or is think it next week. That's the opens on the nineteenth. Oh, so, okay, so but we'll be back uh, for We Talk Dead. Yep. 
um, before yeah. that. Any old thing else that comes up. Yep. All right, jerks. And make sure you download that Venom song. Yeah. <laughs> that song, man, I don't know. I've had that on repeat. You want to take day. us out with that? <laughs> you should see the video, too. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> see you, jerks. Ha <laughs> <laughs>